Hi, and welcome to episode 106 of the Great Answer Europe podcast. And welcome to the second episode of this year's U19 Corner. I'm your host, Andre, and I'm joined with Leo Bilgen once again. How are you doing, man? I'm very good. Thank you for having me on the show again. Excited to talk some U19 football again. It's always fun. Yeah, it's been it's been way too long, but we're uh, at a bit of a flashpoint here. We're right between the end of the regular season and the start of the postseason, so we're uh, w- both of our teams are knocked out of it. So now we've got more time for stuff like this, but uh, that's unfortunate, and we'll get more into that in a bit. But here we are. Uh, playoffs are around the corner, and these are exciting times for. Swedish U19 football. Sorry, I had a huge lag here. I didn't hear you for like 15 seconds. (laughs) Something just froze. But now you're back. Hmm. Strange. Yep. But shall we uh, get into it briefly? uh, What has happened these last few weeks? We had... uh, a European Championship game, which did not quite go as we wanted, and we've had three weeks of uh, regular season ball in U19 since we last spoke. Yes, sir. A lot of stuff to cover. Let's get into it. Shall we begin with our uh, our poor, poor uh, junior national team? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I met you at the stadium, so I know you also got a first-hand look of that beatdown. I think... Uh, Actually, the, the, the final score is a little bit flattering. It was not that tight, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I've, al- I've almost forgotten here. What was the final score? Do you remember? Oh, <laughs> I should, but it was like, <laughs> was it like 39-21 or something like that? I should obviously check it out. But huh. the point is that it was a very lopsided game. And uh, then Austria started to basically play their backups, I felt, and uh, Sweden wanted to do something in front of their home crowd. So they got some stuff going pretty late in the game. That's just the way I felt about it, at least. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what to say about this game. Austria thoroughly dominated on both offense and defense. And, I mean, it really set the tone. First play of the game, they go with a... A double pass. They throw it, throw it to throw a screen to the receiver, and then they go deep on the double pass. Score immediately, and right there, you're like, "Oh fuck this! This is gonna be bad early." I don't know if you picked up on the like little historic touch to that play because that play exactly that play double bubble, um, but the previous time to the left, if I remember correctly, and I usually do on that stuff. That's how they won the game in Vienna against Sweden. Because Sweden was in the lead. It was really tight. And late in the game, fourth quarter, they threw that double pass for the touchdown. That's how they won it. And now they're open with that. I think that was a little bit of a rub-it-in type thing. I mean, good call, obviously, but it was noteworthy. Let's put it that way. Man, that's absolutely brilliant that they finish off one game with and they begin the next one with it. That's... That's yeah. amazing. That is amazing. And I, I honestly, when I saw the play developing, like that guy running the bubble and the ball came out, I was like, 
I just remember that play from the Vienna game. It's like, well, are they doing it again? And then, boom, wide open touchdown, 65 yards or whatever. Crazy. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Most people probably don't know about that, so I thought that was a fun little nugget to bring up. Yeah, I, I, I had no no idea about that. I, I, I think I watched the stream from that game in uh, Vienna, but I do not remember that play. Yep, there we go. But what did Sweden do anything like particularly good? I thought, I thought during the game, it felt like the only place where our Swedish guys had an advantage was on special teams. I thought they did good there, and mm-hmm. Coach uh, Moss takes a lot of pride in his guys, and I think they pour their hearts out into that unit. But uh, common saying, you need to win two out of three for eight. Phases of the game and mm-hmm. Austria completely dominated two the two main phases. Definitely, I was pre-game thinking exactly that. Win two out of three phases, win the turn turnovers, and uh, just play really clean, not draw a lot of penalties and stuff. And we might have a, a bit of a chance because my feeling was that Austria was the better team, just looking player for player. So we needed something special to happen to to even make it close. I felt pre-game. But the way they started and the way we started, especially on offense, I think defensively we we were not crushed, but we obviously struggled. But offensively, I'd say first two and a half quarters or so, we were we had a tough time. If I could remember correctly, we had one first down in the first half, and that was via penalty. Yeah, that, that's possible. And for me, I, I just remember Austria, their their quarterback and their receivers. Every, it was just working. Like every pass was on point, and their receivers were getting wide open deep. Like it, I, I think. I think that's where where Sweden lost it on defense was in in the secondary, really. Yep, but also that the quarterback had a lot of time. Uh, when Sweden just rushed four guys, that Austrian O line had no problems picking it up whatsoever. So the quarterback had plenty of time, and uh, like you said, the hit. Deep shots, I believe it was to number 11 that turned out to be the MVP, if I remember correctly. I saw yeah. him make an interview with him. He was really good. But also, like, the short stuff, especially, like, on third downs when they went play action and moved the quarterback and hit stuff, like, in the flat, and it was just catch and run. Nobody, like, in, in the same area code, basically. So, short and long, everything worked for them. As I understand it, they had quite a different preparation compared to what Sweden had. Uh I think, again, the guy that you, sorry for blanking on his name, but the receiver that you talked to uh, in the pre, uh, post-game interview, he mentioned like, well, we, we've been working really hard to put this together. We had six camps, something like that. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, it's, it's been like three days. <laughs> yeah, sh- sh- shout out to him. N- Nils Keimel was the name of that receiver who won right. the MVP. He was really good. Yeah, the, yeah, he talked about them being thoroughly prepared. They knew what the Swedish team was going to throw at them, and they uh, they had practiced together all year. And like, it's it's just a different type of preparation. It seems like. Yeah, but I mean, also Austria, a much smaller country, much more resources in football. So to travel for camps, like. Um, it's not a huge deal like it would be for us to have like guys from uh, Karlstad and, and Skåne and Stockholm travel to each other. It's, 
that's a big ask. And uh, I guess also resource wise, they're probably quite a bit ahead of us. Yeah, I'm just I'm just checking here. Vienna and Innsbruck, which are the two big cities. Right. It, 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 it's a five hour drive. So right. Okay. Well, it, like going across the country, it's five hours. If they meet somewhere in the middle, everyone has about two and a half. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But I, I think it's it was pretty obvious just watching the game that they had execution on a different level. But also. Uh, don't want to sound too critical here, but I think we didn't really help ourselves, especially on offense, play calling wise. I thought we were just way too conservative to open the game. It was run on first down, get maybe a yard if that. Run a second down, end up third and long, throw a, throw a pass into a defense that is totally expecting the pass, playing the sticks. It's tough. It's really tough. That changed in the second half. I think we opened it up and took some chances and, and had a few trickery trickery plays that looked good, scored on that jump pass out of, yeah, out of that heavy that, formation. That, that was really nice that they mm -hmm. pulled something like that out. But yep. unfortunately, it was uh, a bit too, li too little, too late. Definitely, yeah. The scenario there. But at least gave the kids something to cheer about. And I mean, if you lose a game like this, like 40 to nothing, then it's just horrible feeling now at least you can take away a little bit of like okay well at least we scored a few and did some good things not that it helped but just the, the overall feeling especially for the kids like okay yeah. we didn't get crushed here yeah we we talked to coach Brinkenfeld at halftime me and Osaid and both at halftime and after the game and after the game he was kind of just beat like yeah I don't know what to say we've they, they've lost three in a row to Austria, and it just sucks, basically, was his response. Yeah, I was part of the uh, the first one of those three when we played in Italy in the junior championships. And, uh, I mean, it always sucks to lose a championship game. I, I've been there, so <laughs> I know the feeling. But in that case, I think it's a lot less crushing to lose when you're just outgunned. Like, okay... Pretty good job by us to get here. Obviously, you want to give it our best shot in the final. But if they're so much better just on paper, then you can't really expect to win. The one that sucks is the game down in Vienna because we had a really good team. The best of the three versions of the junior national teams that we've had these three finals. And it was so close. And it was in their backyard. To win down there would have been a huge statement. Now... I think they were just a lot better. So it's hard to be super disappointed, I think. Yeah, yeah I mean, Austria, just they just showed it this this game that they were the better team on that mm -hmm. field and it was pretty clear to everyone watching. Yep. They and, had... Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you go, you go. No, I was thinking that we had the chance down there in Austria because they were a little bit weaker at the quarterback position. Uh, when we played them in Italy... They had a kid that played high school ball that was really good, uh, but we had a really good defense, so that kept, kept the game kind of close despite us not really doing much on offense. And uh, and up here now this year, I think, again, the, the, the quarterback they had was just a lot sharper, so they were so efficient on offense. I, I heard someone mention that their backup who came in late in, in the game this year was their starter last year. 
that could be true because it was a really small kid. I remember uh, just going over the roster this year and the starter is not big. He's like 177 or something. I mean, centimeters. Let's keep it with centimeters here since it's it's an, a European podcast. But but the backup, he's one meter 70 centimeters. That's very small for a, for a quarterback. So obviously they don't really care about the measurables. It's just whoever's good, they select. But that could be true because that kid uh, from last year was really, really small. Yeah. Um, what's also quite sad about losing this one is that uh, next time around, here comes Germany. Yes. Because Germany's back and they've made their way up to the first group. Definitely. That's, uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously still want to believe in our, our kids and our program and everything, but just looking realistically, it will be hard to get back to a championship game in the, in the near future, yeah. unless Austria and Germany for some reason end up on the same half of the bracket. So they like play in the semi and we play Finland. Okay. Of course we can still get to that, but yeah. It's it's gonna get a lot tougher before it gets easier again. <laughs> yep, that is very true. I mean, ju just looking at the the football culture and the resources. I mean, Germany should be ahead of Austria, yep. and Austria is really fucking good. Yep. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just again, just going by numbers, Germany is like eighty-five million, and football is just as big there as it is in Austria, and Austria is like nine million. So yeah. We've got, we've got a tough task at our hands, uh, the junior Definitely national do. team going forward. Yeah, that's not going to be easy. But again, uh, Sweden is always one of those teams that are scrappy and tough and kind of punch out of their weight class. So I'm not going to put it against them to put together something really good and, and be competitive. And also, of course, it depends because we don't have the numbers. Who's home? Who goes to high school? Who's injured? All that stuff. Uh, I mean, it, just playing with the thought here of us having uh, Gilbert Kimrin coming home to play uh, national team football from the States. He's at high school right now playing. That will yeah. give us a little extra edge, for instance. Not that I think it was the quarterback's fault that we lost this game, obviously, but he's just one level up. Yeah, for sure. Like having having a quarterback who who is just smart and accurate that means so much, so much in a yeah. football game. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now I've been watching his. Uh, I'm talking about Gilbert here. His uh, his games now uh, playing for Taft, uh, starting. I mean, he looks really good. So that's encouraging for the future if he ever comes back and plays in Sweden, obviously. I mean, there, there, there's a part of me that hopes he never comes back and plays in Sweden because he's, in theory, he should be destined for greater things. Absolutely. Oh, of course he will play. I mean, I'm totally convinced he'll play college football, but I'm just yeah. thinking maybe he'll come back because he's, he's got a big heart for, for Swedish football and everything. So he might very well come home like in the summer and play a national team game. I don't think he's going to yeah. play club football in Sweden. I don't think that at all. Maybe if he uh, if he comes back at age twenty five, twenty six, that might be possible. But right, 
several several years in the future. Oh yeah, but I mean he's he's already drawing college interest, so I think we can expect him to play. Excuse me, at that level. Yeah, for sure, high high level college ball. Mm -hmm. But uh, shall we uh, transition and get into our uh, our national competition here? Let's do it instead of the international stuff. Mm -hmm. So we've seen. Uh, Three weeks of uh, U19 football here in Sweden since uh, the national team game. Yeah. And uh, a few things have happened, we can say. Definitely. Do we do we want to begin with the North, Leo? All right, let's do it. Um, well, it, it's uh, it's been quite clear that the team trending upwards has been Stockholm. I think they've been better for each week since we last talked. Uh, they beat us uh, in, a, in a game the week after we beat them. Uh, they came back, had had an even stronger roster, looked really good, had a receiver come back from injury that was, in my opinion, high national team level. And um, he really had a connection with their quarterback. So, so that made them a lot more explosive on offense and just – having better numbers helped them. So they beat us and then they beat Vespi and then they beat yeah. the Oiko in the, in the last game of the seasons, the uh, regular season. So they're going into the playoffs on a high with, uh, with great form and a lot of positive vibes. The, um, the, yeah. the, the scheduling was quite, quite weird because here, when we came back from the national team break, we had teams face the same teams two weeks in a row. So yeah, makes no Stockholm sense. played Vasby twice in a row. Right. Toyota played AIK twice in a row. Yep. Funsta played Limham twice in a row. <laughs> Don't get that at all. But yeah, I, I'd, say, I'd say schedule makers do better next year. I think we can have, yes. if we have two four-team series, we should do one, two, three. And if there's a break, have the break, then do one, two, three. Even if it's not a break, do one, two, three again. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, yeah. Not one, two, two, three, three, one. <laughs> yeah, that was very strange. But and it's, I mean, it's kind of boring. You have so few games. Why do it like that? But that's maybe a, diff a discussion for a different time. But you're right. That's the way it turned out. So uh, uh, at least up here. Few of the games went. Uh, I mean, team one won the first one, and then team two won the second one. So at least you had that. So it's not super like pre-decided how that's going to turn out. But it's just so much better to have a few teams in between when you play teams twice. It's really crazy the journey that Stockholm has been, been on. They began the season losing 40-14 to 14 against the AIK. Yep. And they end the season by beating the same team by 20. Like, right. AIK, AIK didn't have anything to play for, so no, that maybe weighs in. But but they had all their guys. It's still, it's still a statement to go in and do that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh... I mean, the journey of Stockholm was when we were uh, when we actually played them, second round of, of the season. They were like talking the with us pre-game. I mean, the days leading up to the game, like we are really thin. We don't know if we can really pull this off. Uh, we 
could we play nine men? So it was a lot of talk. And then they showed up and they had more guys than we had. That <laughs> game, we, we won a tight game. But then when we came back the week after and played them again, they, they were, they were like 25, 26 guys. So obviously they got guys to come down and, and uh, join the team or came back or whatever, but they numbers was not a problem last half of the season for them, for sure. When they played Oiko in that first game, when they lost big, I think there were like 15 guys. It's hard. It's hard to win football games that way. Yeah, it's hard to finish games that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the north, so we got AIK still won it. Stockholm really trending upwards, beating AIK in the final game. VASP is kind of the unlucky team here because they they lost a lot of close games. And then uh, Teresa bottoming out. What happened there, Leo? Oh, rough, rough year for us. We had so many injuries and... Uh people getting sick and people kind of bailing on us. So in the end, we, we just hung on to, to finish. It was never after the, uh, uh, the second or basically after the second Stockholm game, we were so beat down and had so many question marks and injuries and problems that from that point on, it was just a matter of trying to finish so we don't bail and to like a walkover kind of deal. We just wanted to like, okay, at least finish. So we yeah. we only focus on that. We had we really didn't have a team after that Stockholm game. We just tried to survive. It was really, really disappointing because I felt on paper going into the season, um, we we had a lot of promise and we not not one of the favorites, but I felt like we had like a puncher's chance to maybe, maybe get that second spot in the playoffs from our division. I felt okay. like, okay, Aiko has got just way more firepower and depth compared to us. Uh, Vespi, they have some really good players, but they're thin, so you never know. And Stockholm, the word was that they would struggle to to basically feel the team. So I felt like, okay, we got a chance here. But then it just stuff just turned out so bad for us. So, yeah, super disappointing. And uh, have to do like a reset and start over for next year for sure because – that was not fun. Build back better. <laughs> Definitely. It's not it's not hard to be better than what we feel in the last couple of games, but it is what it is. Well, uh, shall we move over to the south then? Let's do it. So uh, shortly after our last episode, we received confirmation that the uh, Giants, they pulled out of the series. Right. Which was very sad, really. Uh, they they got through half the season and then they realized that they weren't going to be able to finish. Right. Uh, they had they had two consecutive games against Calsta coming up on the schedule and yeah I, I I don't think they could have survived that. Right. Which is which is really disappointing because they have they have some athletes on that team and there's some potential so. Right. I definitely see that they could build something, and it's just disappointing that they couldn't finish off the year. But it's so hard for a new team to survive because U19 level, the good teams, they're so good, they're physical. You get crushed if you got a, even if you have 30 athletic rookies, it's going to be tough, tough, tough. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure if they had shown up to play Costa, Costa could have fielded 
only their U17 guys and still won by 50. Right. Like, I, I think that's kind of where the difference in level is at. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, it, it really is. But the big one was you guys versus Lima for a second spot, right? Oh, no. Let's not talk <laughs> about that one. <laughs> uh, no, we, we first went down to Malmö. Uh, and we had this this Saturday where it was just pouring down. Like oh. it, it was terrible going into the game, and that grass field uh, in Malmo was uh, just a slip and slide. We had we had a receiver who broke on a hitch, and the ball is right where it's supposed to be, but our receiver is on the ground because, well, <laughs> he had no grip in the grass. Ah, that is tough. That is tough. And they're kind of a running team, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They they like coming out in that single wing formation. Mm. And uh, they've got, his name is Benjamin Gogai, uh, running running downhill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've got some some pretty good linemen there. And they do a good job with it. No, no, nothing compared to what they managed to do last year when they had... Uh, uh, Arvid Sil- Silbay and Oliver Lundby and Thomas Collins <laughs> yeah, that's building different. that attack like that that was different but mm-hmm. they still do it well and they're still a well coached team overall but right. that that game down in Malmö in the 25 to 13 I believe okay um so you needed to win at home by at least 13 to to get second spot yeah, that 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 was kind of the idea. Idea, uh-huh. but our it was brutal there down in Malmo because it we we could have like lost by one score, but we had a situation with a punt, okay, where they managed to get the ball on our one yard line, Oof. and this was at some point late in the second half. So if that that situation hadn't gone down, we probably only lose by one score, and we're in a much better spot going into game two, right? But we we roll around game two, and we just can't get anything going on offense, hmm. like absolutely nothing. And who's the quarterback for you guys this year? Uh, we've had uh, a bit of a rotation going. We started with a kid named uh, Oscar Harderson. Uh, he he injured his collarbone, so we've gotten Calrevelius in there. Uh-huh. He's a U seventeen kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once uh, our first kid came back, there's been a bit of a rotation, but it, it, I would say it hasn't fully worked out like we wanted to, but I do see potential for it to become a lot better next year. Okay. Interesting. Um, so uh, the kid that you've had for a few years here is Stian Bay. He's too old now, right? Yeah, he's uh, transitioned into the coaching staff. He's uh, working as uh, one of our receiver coaches now. Is he playing the senior team though? Yeah, he is. Oh, okay, cool. It's uh, it, it it's a young team. We we only had, I think, two last year guys. Oh. Okay. Uh, so so that's pretty tough. But mm-hmm. I, I think we have a really solid foundation for next year. And uh, yeah, but. I'm as an offensive coordinator, I'm very kind of sad and disappointed by how things turned out. Uh, but I do see a lot of potential in this team, and we can do much, much greater things 
the coming year here. What well, what was the score in the in the second game again? Uh, twenty one to seven. Okay. And the, and and our only score it was basically let's see what happened. We ran all hitches. We were trying to throw it to the slot, but the pass was a bit high, and our outside receiver scoops it out of the air, turns up field, and goes seventy yards for a score. <laughs> that was our only touchdown. Of the wow! Game. Just just the way you drew it up, coach. <laughs> it's like damn. Guys, wh- why do we score on that play but nothing else? <laughs> yep, yeah, I feel you. But no, we we were uh, very disappointed. But then we uh, came around we to play Calsta in the final game. Right. Traveled all the way up to Calsta, and our hey, only, and our only goal was to put up points. Uh-huh. on this Crusaders team because they had not allowed a single point yet. Right. right. And we achieved that ob- objective early in the second quarter when uh, we ran a trap play and uh, our uh, running back went 30 yards for a touchdown. So that that that, that was fun and exciting uh, as an offensive coordinator to see and uh, of course. And actually it was a it was a much better offensive performance overall than mm-hmm. uh, the two Lemham games we put right. up. Uh, 19 points on the board. Yes. Yeah, so, that's a lot better, obviously. No, not a, not enough to win, and absolutely not enough to win against Calsta when they have the offense that they have. Right. But it's still a still feels good as an offense. But Calsta does not have that many national team players. Do you know if they had just guys turning it down or? just wasn't selected because such a dominant team. I know it's just one of the divisions. Who knows what the strength is north versus south, but still Carson looks like a very strong team. They had some linemen on the national team, but skill-wise, not very many at all, like one or two maybe. No, I I can't speak too much on the individuals on their team, but they they have a very solid secondary and a well-coached secondary there with uh, Tracy uh, Gear running the defense. Right. Uh, yeah, I saw them basically running the same defense they do in the senior team. Yeah, Three and five. and then uh, it's he, he. I think he plays the tight end H back role for the national team. Anton Jonsson. Right. He's playing receiver for that team, and that that kid is a dude out there with their U19s. Okay. He's he's faster than most, and no one can tackle it. <laughs> That's a good combo. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, uh, I believe their running back is named Tom Anderson. Mm-hmm. Solid running back, but he's running behind a very good offensive line. Right, yeah, the line is and, good for sure. And and they, they've they got quarterbacks coming out of the wazoo. Like, they, they have Albin Folsman. Right. And then they have this Norwegian kid. I, I, I know, I know him. I'm coaching quite a bit. Tremendous, like him and Albin, they're essentially the same level in how good they are as quarterbacks. And he's a very the Norwegian kid, um, Sondre from no, oh, I'm blanking on his last name now, but um, Sondre at least. Uh, he, he's a very good athlete too. He runs track in, in the U.S. He's going back on a track scholarship. Wow! Yeah. So, so he he's a really good player, good dude. 
Uh, what else do they have? Yeah, it, against us, I don't, I don't know what they were doing on offense. They were doing almost whatever they wanted uh, in that last game. But they, uh-huh. I think they played a total of four different quarterbacks throughout oh. that game. And and w- while while the last two are clearly worse quarterbacks than uh, Albin and uh, the Norwegian kid, uh-huh. but these two, like, th- they still did a decent job reading the defense. They got the ball where it's supposed to be. Like, they, huh. they, they don't really they, – they go four deep when most teams barely have one. <laughs> right, yeah. But they have big, good numbers overall, right? They dress a lot of kids, don't they? Yeah. Um, I, I, can't, I can't tell you a number, but they are easily more than 30 kids. Like yeah. that, that's kind of the deal. Yep. And at that point, you usually stop counting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a little thing that I always do, but it has to be a game where there's a national anthem playing before the kickoff, because that's when I always count the other team, when they're lined up on the sideline for the ah, national anthem. I always count them. <laughs> you do that as a routine. Uh, yeah, nice. it's one of the things. But yeah, that, uh, I, I just have to give a big shout out to our guys who went up there and played their hearts out in a game that really didn't mean anything. I think we right. got we got about 24, 25 kids uh, dressed in that game and Good. they played their hearts out. We we managed to score three touchdowns on right. who I think uh, a, bit, a bit of a spoiler upcoming, but I think Costa is going to win the championship. Uh, and I'm be- very proud of those kids for doing that. And it's a good stepping stone into next year. Right. Yep. All right, but so the, the end result here is uh, Aikoa wins the north, plays uh, Limham from the south, got second place. And then yeah. Karlstad wins the south, plays Stockholm in the other semifinal. That's the way it's wrapped up. Yeah. And going into these playoffs, what do you think, Leo? What, what is going to happen in these two semifinal games? Well, I think, uh, obviously, Karlstad are huge favorites in their semifinal. I think Stockholm, uh, they now get quite a few days of rest here because we have a break for U17 national team play. So there are a couple of weeks here for them to like recharge. And I think uh, the Stockholm senior coaching staff is involved in, in game planning and preparing for, for this upcoming semifinals. So I think they're going to be really well prepared. I think they have the best quarterback in uh, U19 football. Uh, who's the quarterback again? The same guy as started for the national team. Right. The, uh, right. The tabby kid, right? Yep. But he plays for Stockholm now. Yeah. And... and uh, I watched the game against Oiko and he, he looked super sharp. I got to tell you, he looked good. I mean, not good, good, good. It, it looked like for real. Uh, he's got a few guys to throw to that are good, so he can spread the ball. Solid running running back. Uh, O-line is okay. That's probably the weakest part of their offense, but still good enough. He usually has got pretty good time to, to throw it. They don't run it super well, but they throw it very well. So I think Stockholm's going to come into that game well prepared. Um, probably have a really smart game plan to uh, to at least give it a shot. I th- still think Carson's going to win, but I don't think it's going to be an annihilation. I think if if it's forty five twenty five, okay, I'd, I'd buy that. 
I yeah. think Stockholm's going to struggle to to stop the crosslet offense, but I think Stockholm's uh, offense is going to produce. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you have good ana- good analysis there. I, I it depends on how well Stockholm prepare for this game, but they should be able to move the ball on this call to defense. Yeah, if they are well prepared, they have a good game plan, and they execute. I think they will, but defensively. Now, I don't know the Stockholm team at all, but from what I've seen from this calls to offense, they cannot be stopped by a normal U19 defense. (laughs) Like, they they put up 48, 44, 48, and 61 in their games. Yep, and the sixty-one is uh, well. We scored, so then they scored some more. But the margin of victory is forty plus in every game because their yep. offense will not be stopped. Nope. No. Uh, like I said, I I'm guessing forty-five twenty-five. So I'm right on board with what you're saying. Yeah. But um, big game uh, injuries, weather, penalties. There are a lot of stuff that can happen that can kind of throw a game off a little bit if the sun is just in the exact right position for Stockholm they have I don't know 10-20% chance at at best I'd say but I think they're going to make a game of it at least Leo gives them a puncher's chance and uh-huh. says that it will be a game and uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to give Stockholm a puncher's chance but I say good luck uh, <laughs> and I think Kalsta wins it by about 30 points right yeah uh, I I can very well see it being kind of close at halftime, maybe one or two scores, but then just the depth and the physicality of Carlson makes the, the the final score be a, a bit more lopsided. But I think Stockholm's going to like give it a shot and and uh, come out firing. And then in the end, Carlson's just a little bit too good, I think. And the other semifinal, AIK, who finished the season with a loss. They're playing Limham, who are coming off of two wins against Tijuana to end the season. What what might be happening in that game? Well, I think I think Limon's going to have a tough time in that game because it's a long-ass travel to get up to Stockholm and play. That's always a little bit of an issue. Not that they won't get all their guys in the semifinal. People will travel, of course, to play. It's a big game. But it's always a bit of a disadvantage to travel that far to play a game no matter the setup if they like go half and stay at a hotel and take the second half of the trip day two whatever this the setup is for them it's always going to be a bit of a disadvantage and oiko just got so many playmakers uh, they have two good quarterbacks the starter is like a no name in swedish football but he's actually very good he plays for their senior team as well Oh, uh, I know, I know who that is, uh, Alexander, right? Exactly right. Yeah, he he, he was. Uh, I think he was the Olanda kid who went in for their senior team when Victor got injured. That might be true. I, I don't remember that, guy. or I didn't see it actually. But I was in Norway then. But yeah, yeah. that could very well be true. Uh, he's he's a last year player. He's uh, he's got a good arm. He's got a good understanding of the game. Does not do too many like stupid mistakes. He he's pretty clean. With that stuff, and then their backup is the guy that is also the backup for the junior national team, Hector Hudian. So they got two quarterbacks. Uh, Oleg is clearly the starter. He gets 
basically all the reps. Hector came in and had a few drives against uh, Stockholm uh, in the second half, but Oleg is the starter. And then uh, they have the best running back in Sweden by far, in my opinion, Victor Vilgot Valeskog. Yeah, he is just very, very good. He's Oliver Lundberg good, I'd say. He, he's fantastic. He's, yep, he's awesome. And then they have a bunch of receivers. They're really good. Uh, that big, tall kid. His last name is Ross or something like that. Yeah, for... Gustav Ross, Henrik Ross, something, yeah. something like that. He's very good. Have, then they have Oscar Attohal. He's a sm- smaller kid, great hands, great yeah. route runner. He's uh, Bais Hamras Julian Edelman is what I call him. He's <laughs> so good in that slot, running running those middle of the field routes, catching balls in traffic. I think he's fantastic too. So on offense, they have a lot of firepower. The line, again, is okay, but it's nothing special. So... On offense, that it's the same thing as Stockholm. They have playmakers, but the line might be the weakest part of their offense. And that that might prove to be an issue against Limham specifically, because well while they're not the best defensive line I've ever seen, they've got two linebackers playing in that box who are fantastic blitzers. So when okay. they're coming that might prove to be an issue if AIK are struggling up front. Right. Yep. And I have absolutely no idea. I don't know the coaches of Oikoa like at all. I don't know how they're going to prepare the team or how good of a staff that is. I don't know. I don't know those guys, so I have no idea what they yeah. do. But I think um, if Oikoa is well prepared and has a smart game plan so they can get the ball in the hands of their playmakers, fast and don't rely on like a deep passing game that demands a lot of protection i think they're going to be hard to stop because they have so many guys who just can catch and run and create problems i i I think aik they're clearly the more talented team in this game right but but the the question is are they really the better team are they the well more well coached team i'm not so sure about that uh I think Limham will be well prepared. I have all the trust in the world for uh, Stefan leading that stab. Uh, Who's the head coach? Stefan? Uh, Klaverby. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, he's leading that stab and that coaching staff. And I, I, I know a lot of the Limham coaches, like in general, and they're good. They know what they're doing out there. And uh-huh. The, despite having this team with Limham guys, Gothenburg guys, Jönköping guys, they still look like this cohesive unit that uh-huh. all know what they're doing. And, and I think if they can come up there and execute, they've absolutely got a chance against AIK. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that AIK is a far more talented team. And if if their star running back, Vilgot Valescu, decides, fuck this, we're going to win this damn game, I think AIK win that damn game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I mean, I don't think he, his his attitude towards a game is ever a problem. He He's one of those kids that is just gung-ho and always like up for it and seems like a super tough kid. Um, but 
uh, as I understand it, he was very sick leading up to the uh, European Championship final. He got cleared like a couple of hours before the game. So he was not really himself. I think he looks a lot sharper now. Uh, I saw him firsthand against us uh, and he looked fast again and shifty and runs through contact and all that stuff. So obviously he's going to be tough to stop. Yeah, if I have to make a prediction, I'll say, I'll say AIK by maybe two scores. They get a put away drive at the end to win. It's something like that. I think we must for both semifinals actually give a real prediction, not just the spread, but an actual score. <laughs> uh, right, a real score. Okay. So I say forty-five twenty-five Carlson to start off. Okay, I'll say. If... 52 to 20 for Carlson. Okay. Sounds good. You want to go first for the other semi then? You... Sure. I'll go I'll go AIK 23 uh Limham 10. Okay. I'll go with um um AIK winning it 34 to 14. There you have it, folks. Mm -hmm. Those are the predictions from the uh, supposed uh, expert duo. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But, I mean, we're not, like, picking any underdogs to win here. Pretty similar scores, basically. Yeah, but definitely. Absolutely. And I guess we're going to do a separate pod for, like, post-semifinals or something so we can talk through whatever happened and then pick the final. Yeah, I, I think that would be advisable, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. yep. let, let, let's plan for that, Leo. Yep. And uh, what are we going to have in between here? The semifinals aren't in a few weeks, uh, but both of us are going to be active coaching uh, coming up here very soon. Oh, yeah. I'm going to, uh, to camp in Norway this Saturday. Uh, we have a camp leading up to the national team tournament in Oslo, the U-17 championships. So uh, it will be eight days in, excuse me, eight days in Oslo for me coming up. What what you got planned? Well, uh, our Swedish U-17 national team, I'm coaching the receivers. And ah, we're going to okay. be in Kvevde uh, this weekend for uh, our pre-tournament camp. Uh, we're going to have a full day on Saturday. We're going to have one practice and make cuts on Sunday. And then we will meet up in Oslo on Tuesday evening ahead of playing Denmark on Wednesday. Right. Right. How many kids will you have at camp? Uh, no? 55, if I rem remember correctly. All right. And you're cutting it down to your bringing 45 or? Uh, we, we have not decided on a final okay. uh roster size it's going to be who, whoever the coaches believe are deserving of a spot in the right. national team yeah yeah it makes sense we we already had our cuts because we had a, a camp and a, an exhibition game in august so we cut it down from 50 something to like 35 okay yeah we we had one camp during the summer but we didn't like officially make cuts but there are a few guys that we didn't we didn't call for uh, this camp. Right. Gotcha. So that, that'll be interesting and good fun. And perhaps we can touch on that as well when we meet for our uh, pre-final uh, U19 talk. 
Yeah, and who knows? We might see each other in Oslo. I mean, we probably will meet you and I, but our teams most likely won't meet. But we'll see. Well, it, it all depends on how those Wednesday games go. Uh-huh. Yep, we play Finland, you guys play Denmark. And uh, just the normal outcome would be that you guys beat Denmark and Finland beats us. So you play Finland in the gold game and we play Denmark in the bronze game. And of course, that is uh, our uh, stated goal uh, on the Swedish side. <laughs> yeah, of course. And you should. I mean, just looking at the talent, Sweden should never lose to Denmark, I think. That's never okay. Leo underestimating the Danes here. No, but I mean, there, there's no reason for us to lose to a, a country like that, I think. We have had football just as long. We have, uh, I'd say, a better tradition of national team play. We have double their number of inhabitants. I don't, I don't see a reason for us not beating them. Yeah, but but we but have, that can be good, of course. We we have struggled against Denmark in the past, so it's absolutely no guarantee. But absolutely, we'll see. Come uh, next Wednesday, last year in the in the tournament in Finland, Sweden lost to Denmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, just watching it from, as an outsider, neutral, quote unquote, um, I just felt that Sweden threw that game away by being less prepared because we we definitely had a better team, but Denmark was just. They had a team and we had players, we meaning Sweden. So yeah. if that changes now, I think I think Sweden's got a great chance. And I, 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 I think we can get it done, but I don't know what to expect from Denmark at this moment. So we shall see. We shall yep. see. It'll be fun. And uh, as, a, as a final segment on today's pod, mm-hmm. we, uh, we are both, both very interested in kind of the... The, the history around the U19 here in Sweden. And, yep. and I know essentially the last 10 years or so of U19 football. So what we're about to do here is that I'm going to list each national championship, each national champion and who they beat in the championship game going back as far as I can. And then you're going to correct me and take over, Leo. And we're going to see how far back you can go. Oh, man. This is fun. It's totally unprepared, so we'll see. Okay. So you're just trying to uh, remember the matchup and who won it. And if you strike out, I have to take over. Is that the deal? Indeed. All right. Let's try it. Are we ready? Yeah. Uh, so. Sure. 2022, we had the Gothenburg Marvels. They were combined with Limham, but officially the Marvels beat mm-hmm. the once the Predators in the final. In 2021, we saw the Tabby Flyers beat the Tulsa Royal Crowns. That was a very weird year because only three teams finished the series. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah. In 2020, we had... The Kufansta Predators defeat the Tabby Flyers in the final. Mm-hmm. In 2019, the Costa Crusaders absolutely destroyed Kufansta on their home turf. Right. In 2018, your Tyrese Royal Crowns beat the Urbre Black Knights. That is correct. In 2017, the Stockholm Mean Machines, led by the running back, Saba, managed mm-hmm. to defeat the Kifansta Predators 
in a game that took place in Gothenburg. Right. 2016, here's where I was playing, so I <laughs> so you know all of these. Yep, because you Oops. guys were always in the championship game and found an interesting way to lose it. Yeah, Uppsala defeated Kifansta on mm -hmm. a very weird fourth quarter comeback that I will never get over. <laughs> With a very suspicious PI call on a fourth down, if I remember correctly. Oh, I don't remember that one. Let's not I talk do. more about that one. Uh, in 2015, uh, also a very weird comeback story, but Kalsta won 21 to 20 against the Tupansta Predators in the final. Mm -hmm. uh, a game played at Tingvala. In 2014, the Predators demolished the Hollanda Jets at home. That one I would have struggled to remember because that was, like you said, in Kalsta. I was, yeah. I wouldn't have league. gotten that one, but yeah. 2013. This is the last year that I'm going to be absolutely certain of. Yeah. We had Kifansta defeat the Teresa Royal Crowns up in Stockholm at Tele2 Arena. And I was coaching that game. Yeah, and I scored a touchdown in that game. Ooh, really? Not yet 16-year-old kid playing up. Wow. Uh, yep, we... Um, sorry, don't want to cut you off here, but that... That was one of those times talking about the Sweden-Austria matchup when we as a team in Tursa did a fantastic job to get to the championship games because we were not a very talented team that year. We had a few guys, but we were nothing special. We struggled a bit at quarterback and so on. And for us to make it to the championship game and actually score 28 points on you guys, I felt that that was like winning. So there's always a context to it, but you guys had a kick-ass team then. So yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And then 2012, this is where I'm going to struggle. Because I know for a fact that Stu made the final because they beat Kifansta in Kifansta in one right. of the semifinals. Yeah. This one I'm but, pretty sure of. But I cannot remember who the other final team is. But I'm going to have a guess. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess that the Orlando Jets beat Stu in the final. Not, not beat. Stu won it against Arlan. I'm pretty sure of it. No! Ah, damn it! Don't you have, like, uh, the list in front of you so you can check? Nope. I have uh, no key to the exercise Ooh. here. Okay, but... Okay, so let me... Uh, let me say that that was the way it turned out. I'm pretty sure of it. So so, so Stu actually did the thing where they had to go on the road for the semi-final? Oh, well, well, hold, hold on. Wait a minute. No... I think Stu actually, come to think of it, that was Nevermans last year, I think. No, I think Arland actually won it against Stu. So I, I have to give you that one. Ah, hmm. I actually got it. Yeah, uh, I was confusing the years there. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that. Uh, 2011 is where I'm going to capitulate because I have no idea. <laughs> I know because I have a gold medal back here at home from that year. Because uh, Tirsa in Uppsala beat um, Stu in the final uh, in a very tight, low-scoring game. I think we kicked three field goals in that game. And uh, I, we had, I think, one touchdown uh, on offense and then three field goals and one, like, I don't know, like 16 to 12 or something like that. I don't know the exact score, but it was low-scoring and... Uh, we had a fantastic O-line. All five guys on our O-line uh, played super serious football that year. 
started games on the O-line for our senior team. So, I mean, that, it was that, like... That, that will absolutely help your U19 <laughs> squad succeed when you have that. Yeah, we had uh, Emil Knudsen at running back. We had uh, uh, Robin Svalin, uh, Anton, uh, yeah, Blomgren, all those guys up front. Yeah. So, we, we were tough teams. Two were good. So, definitely, yeah. So, uh, does this mean that I take over? Yeah, I think so. 2010. Mm -hmm. I remember that one very well as well. Um, was, was that Stu? No, no. It was no. Tusa beating Arlanda in Karlstad. Ah, okay. And then 2009, it was Tusa beating Arlanda at Sinken. So, so there there was a bit of a trend with Arlanda Tusa for a while there. Yep. Uh Exactly. Arlanda were good back in them, those days. Jonas Goblin was coaching them, had a good program going, had a lot of good kids. And uh, uh, Tirsa won three in a row. Uh, the, the game 2009 was won by a late field goal by the quarterback. So that was my first game after having signed with Tirsa. I was signed to coach in 2010. But I signed it autumn of 2009. So the first thing I did was go to the championship game and sit up in the press box and help coach Erich with some game management stuff. I think it was like 17, 14 or something like that. And then it makes it gets really easy because now <laughs> my, my stew years when I was the head coach and we won three in a row. So um, in 2008. I, I, be I believe I watched this final. Probably did. Because, because our U17 team played the championship, I think, the same day. Right. Uh, and, we, and we beat you guys in the semifinal. Yeah, that's possible. And, and we brought up our, I think, our U13 team that I played for to play a game mm -hmm. against another U13 team. Okay. Like the cool. day before. So right. we did yes. a whole thing with the entire club there. That's cool. Uh, well, we played Jemkland in the, in the final. And uh, we won, I, I want to say, like 26 to 13 or something like that. They had Fredrik Isaksson and Olof Flemström as the stars on their team. So obviously great players. Uh, but we, we, we had a strong team. But we did not have Anders Hermansson for that game because he had left for college. So we started our U17 kid. He got his back hurt early in the game. So we had to do, go with number three, Damien Scanella. Turned out to be a great senior player won the championship with Stockholm. But he, he played quarterback for us, and we had a Hampus Hellemark, still in my book, the best Swedish running back ever. So he carried us, and uh, we won that game. And then in 2007, we also played Jämtland, um, also at Sinkensdam. And we won that one. A little bigger score, but still comp semi-competitive. I don't remember the exact score, like 32-12 or something. And in 2005, Stu won against Karlstad 66 to 6 Holy. at Sinkenstam. And that year we were really stacked. What year was that again? I, you 2006. 2006. Okay, yeah. Right. I, I was up uh, in the, at Sinken that weekend as well because oh. my brother played for the U16 team that won ah. the championship for Kibansta. Right. Okay, cool. Um, so that was 2006. And then 2005, uh, Javle 
won the championship. But I'm trying to remember who they beat in the final because no, I, I'm pretty sure they beat. Oh yeah, I know they beat Gothenburg. It was kind of a weird thing. So somehow they ended up uh, with a pretty good team and uh, they won. I think Corsa was pretty much down that year, I guess, because they had their. They they broke a streak from Costa, exactly. Costa had like a long, long streak before that, but uh, it was Tirso lost a heartbreaker up in Yavla, and then Yavla won it. They had a very good running back back then that was like the star of the team. Niklas Carlson was coaching them, so that was in two thousand and five, and then two thousand four, Costa won it. I want to say they played. Ooh, let me see here. They played two, so 2004 and 2003, and won both times. And then 2002, Karlstad won it. My, my good friend Christian Larson was coaching all these years, the Karlstad dominance. But who did they beat in 2002? That is the question. Is this where we come to a stop, Leo? Probably. Oh, well, 2002, it was not Arlanda. Uh, I, I want to, oh, I'm going to guess. I know Costa won it, but who did they beat? That's going to be my guess here. Um, let's see. Pro, uh, not Arlanda, because we beat Arlanda that year. Let's say two, so again, but I'm not sure at all. So how many in a row did Costa win there in the five. early aughts? It was five in a row. Mm -hmm. 2000 through 2004. That is an impressive streak because you have yep. to remember that a five-year streak, you're talking about multiple generations of players. Because Definitely, yeah. You're, you're, At your least best, two. Yeah, your best years are going to be like your final two years. You maybe have one or two more good years than that if you're mm -hmm. a really good player. But like yep. you have to have multiple generations if you're going to win five in a row. Definitely. I know, I know there between 2013 and 2017, our Predator teams went to five finals. Which but, is fantastic. Yeah, which is also a special thing to do. But, right. but it was not at all the same thing 2013 and 2014. That was one generation right. of players. 2015 through 2017, that was something something completely different. And yep. we clawed our way to finals, but it wasn't at all the same talent pool and depth that we had previously. Right. I think through all those five years, I don't think Carson lost a single game. And uh, I mean, I don't know how if any games were even one score contests. They were so dominant back then. And through the physical play more than anything else, they had fantastic O-line, D-lines back, back in those days. That was like the backbone of those teams. Wow. So there we go. That's about 23-ish uh, 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 years of U19 history with uh, Leo and Andre. Do, <laughs> do, do you have a favorite final that you've uh, seen or been a part of? Oof. So hard not to pick one of your own, of course. But if I try to look beyond myself here and just finals that were entertaining, 
I think oof, it's, it is tough to pick one. Uh, you guys have been involved in some of the more thrilling ones that were close. Uh, and usually, for some reason, you guys ended up losing all those close ones, it felt like. Uh, I mean, the one up in Uppsala was exciting, but I just, being neutral just in the stands, felt like a bit of a sour taste because I think you guys just got robbed there at the end, to tell you the truth. Um, the one where you lost in Karlstad 21-20, I didn't see that one because we didn't have live streams back then, but sounds like a super exciting one. So it's it's really hard to pick one, I think. Yeah. How about you? Do, do you have a favorite one that you were a part of yourself? Yeah, uh, definitely. 2018, when we, uh, when we finally won it after having been good for like three years, but couldn't get over the hump. Lost to you guys uh, in a close one. Semifinals. Yeah, once in a close one and once when we got totally thrashed. Um, so exactly like we spoke about having one generation, that was basically like the last chance for that generation. And to me, at least passing wise, I, I think that was the best uh, the best U19 pass offense I've seen, at least. So that was, f for me, being a pass guy, obviously fun, because I don't think we had 100 yards rushing in any of our games that year, but we put up like 500 yards each game. So we were really lighting it up through the air. That's always fun. And then I just love that group of kids and it was so good to finally see it like go all the way. As for me, I don't... I don't, I don't really know how to think about the question of which one was my favorite. Like, I, I, I've been a part of so many of them myself that I'm, I'm like so biased that I, I barely even watched games where I haven't somehow been involved. <laughs> but yeah, like, so. my, I would say that my favorite game except for the ending, was probably that one in Uppsala, the mm -hmm. 2016 debacle. But the ending is just so gut-wrenching. Yeah. And if I'm being perfectly honest, that's one that I still haven't gotten over. Because that, <laughs> that, we, we were up uh, 18 points, 31 to 13, early fourth quarter. Yep. Uh, and I myself had a very good game, but I got injured... Uh, while doing what should have been called an illegal uh, cup block. <laughs> it wasn't called, but it should have been called that. Uh -huh. But I managed to screw up some uh, something in my shoulder, and I, I was basically playing one-armed the rest of the game while they were making this entire comeback. Right. Oh, so just be, from a personal point of view, that is the worst quarter I've been a part of, but one of my best games as a player. <laughs> yeah, that's that's two sides of that coin for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you had a couple of heartbreakers, definitely that stretch. I don't know how many you lost there. It was three in a row or whatever. Yeah, Stockholm, <laughs> Uppsala, and um, who else? Karlstad. Uh, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, it was the comeback... In Kalsta, we were up twenty to nothing early third quarter, and then they 
one at twenty one twenty. It was it was Uppsala early fourth quarter. We kicked the field goal to go up thirty one thirteen. I think the final score is forty one thirty one Uppsala because they get a pick on the final play and right. run it back. Uh, and then then the one in stock against Stockholm that that one in Gothenburg. That's one I wasn't involved in, but I did watch it. Of course, twenty one fourteen, and that one right. was a really back and forth game. If I remember correctly, it was one team went up seven nothing. Then the other team scored twice. Then the first team scored twice. To, I, th- I think it was something like that where they passed each other up, and then yeah, it, I, I know I know our guys. They tried to run a hook and ladder to tie the game, and it was successful. But the pitch was forward, so it was called an illegal forward pass. It's like oof, that, it's Rough. it's just the the worst way to lose a game. Uh, it's tough. I, I mean, I basically lost to all these teams that you just mentioned. From the, I mean, we we lost to Uppsala the, the year they won. Uh, we we had our quarterback Dennis was got hurt in that game, so we had no chance. And then uh, we lost to Stockholm the year they won. We lost by one point. Uh, we um, we scored on the final play of the game, and. Uh, since they had scored more against the weaker teams, they had the tiebreaker because we did not have overtime back then. So we had to, I mean, if we kick it, we get a tie, so we stay undefeated, but it doesn't change anything. We still have to go down and play you guys in the semi. So we went for two, end up short. And um, Kevin Bursay, being pissed off that we lost, punches a wall, breaks his hand. I don't know if you remember, he played with a cast in the semi against us when we, you crushed us. So, Oh, yeah. I, the, yeah. And uh, the year the Karlstad won, 21-20 against you guys. We played them in the semifinal, went to double OT. All right. What, what, what was so crazy about that season was that we went up to Karlstad, and I think we beat them 32-16 in the regular right. season. Right. 32. So, like, a full 16 points, two-score game. We beat them. It, it was a close game. It was tough, but like we gutted it out, and we got a decently comfortable win. Uh-huh. And then they come around and manage to do that in the semifinal. Which is racy. I mean, uh, they had a couple of studs. They had Matthias Eriksson played both ways. They had that huge guy that ended up playing D-line for Oregon State. Yeah, Sunbow, right? Exactly. And uh, a few more guys that were very good. But I, we should not have lost that game. So yeah. it, it It's crazy. Was... You guys you guys say you shouldn't have lost the semifinal, and we say that we shouldn't have lost the final. That, I mean, right. <laughs> I, it's I just think, a year for Costa. I yeah, mean, winning I think, the semi in OT and then what, by one point in the championship yeah, game. I, I think from year. All- from from Calsta eyes, that must have been been like a, a team of destiny. Like definitely, <laughs> yep, fantastic. You have that one regular season loss, get the OT win, and then have a comeback in the second half to win the final. Like yeah, it's it's like the under underdog story of the decade. Oh yeah, yeah, that was obviously fantastic for them. Must have been one of their favorite years. And uh, on that point, Kalsta, they had five consecutive in the early 2000s. They had that 2015 comeback. They had that great team that won in 2019. And here they are again, the favorites going into the playoffs in 2023. And I'm guessing they're going to add another year to that 
banner for Karlstad. I have a lot of respect for that club, I gotta say. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, when we talk history here, um, going back 20 years, you can see that there are a handful of clubs that are always like involved in either winning or being close to winning. So Karlstad, definitely one of those top clubs that are basically always in it. And on that note, do you have any final words, Leo, before we leave our listeners hanging here? Just stay tuned and uh, we'll talk again after the semifinals. Indeed. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye.